I love you. Nothing productive will be said in tonight's video. Welcome back to Green and Faceless on the Couch. I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. I am the Faceless Leon of this bunker that we're in. But why why do you think we won't be uh, productive? Oh, that wasn't that wasn't me speaking. That was Zendaya speaking and Malcolm oh, and Marie, and she's right. speaking the truth. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, we're coming at you with what again? What I hope is a far more recurring segment for 2021 which is new movie release reviews whatever we want to call it yeah what we had been calling it should i say or should i go but and and it does work because we we try what we were trying to do is pick one streaming movie and then one that's in theaters and even though we're avoiding going to the theaters because you probably shouldn't be going to theaters right now i mean we're getting closer people are getting their vaccines and uh, we're getting closer. And, you know, when we get vaccinated, we, we kind of plan on starting to go back. But yeah, Warner Brothers doing a wonderful thing where they're releasing their movies both in theaters and on the stream. Yeah. It, it's arguable whether it's a, a good thing. You know, some theaters, I, I think personally, I think theaters might be helped. Uh, sure. I don't I hope that they don't collapse, but there is a good argument that it will destroy theater business yes but i mean i don't know i'm of the opinion personally that if you want people to see these pieces of art that you've been Mm -hmm. making you shouldn't make the only option for them to go and put themselves in danger so i appreciate it yeah i i agree wholeheartedly the problem the, the 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 problem comes into play after people are vaccinated because they're doing this for all of 2021 Ah, true. Yeah, let's say everybody's vaccinated by July. For the rest of the five or six months that people can go to the theaters and see these movies, why would they when they can just watch it on their couch? That's true. But we would be doing stay and goes with other (laughs) company movies. (laughs) It's true. But we're not we're not talking about the the theater world. Yeah, we're talking these two wonderful films. Wonderful's arguable. They have wonderful natures about them. One yeah. of them's great. I agree. One of them's up in the air. I I I I'll say up front that I did enjoy watching both of these movies, but I I know which movie you're talking about, and <laughs> I agree with the 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 problematic parts of it. But yeah, let's let's dig into the uh, the questionable film. All right. Let's dig into Malcolm and Marie, written and directed by Sam Levinson and starring John David Washington and Zendaya as a uh, Zendaya as a uh, as a couple <laughs> with lots of struggles. They're always they're always struggling. They're always fighting and arguing. Like they always find an issue to be at each other's throats. Right. And that is this movie. This movie. It, takes place over a single night uh i would say from around like midnight to 6 a.m somewhere around there they never fucking sleep all they need to do is sleep that's all they should do is just go to fucking sleep hey you know what i'm gonna say 100 percent malcolm malcolm's fault (laughs) oh yeah it is malcolm's fault 100 and i'm reading a lot of people who are like saying it's uh zendaya's fault and i'm like you're all fucking idiots fuck off she said she didn't (laughs) want to get into it (laughs) yeah in my opinion definitely and and well he also is the one in my opinion that takes it too far way too much 
Yes. So we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Initially, it's the pair of them returning home from an opening night of his film. It's his debut movie. I think it's his debut. Maybe it's not debut. But uh, yeah, he's had a couple of films before this, but this is like the first one that's gotten like a lot of attention. It's got the buzz. Yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't. You know, he's he just premiered it. He's really excited about the critic reviews that are pouring in because the audience seemed to really love it. So he thinks yeah. the critics will too. So he's he's anxious to see them once they come in. And Zendaya doesn't seem uh, too, or Marie, I should say, Marie doesn't seem very happy she seems a little quiet disappointed and malcolm has to push that yeah you know, it's just it's his personality he's got to push it he's got to know so he's got to drag it out i mean as zendara says nothing productive is going to be said tonight if we go into this argument if we start start right. talking about this but malcolm being malcolm has to has to go for it and you find out that he didn't thank marie yeah. in his congratulations speech and she feels very rightfully so that she is deserving of appreciation mainly because malcolm's entire movie has some very strong similarities to her life right in particular her past with drugs and there's another scene in the movie once the argument really gets going where he's like, it's based off of all sorts of different things. And at first he can't, yeah, yeah, he can't come up with anything eating his mac and cheese. <laughs> and she's like, you're just sitting there mac and cheese. This is how narcissistic you are. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, I do that too. When, when I, when I'm confronted with something on the spot, I will be like, no, no, that's not true. It, it's a bunch of things. And then it's like, we'll name them. And I'm like, well, I don't have it all gathered. Yeah. Like it's all, you know, it's a, it's a, it's in a cloud somewhere and I got to kind of amass it all yeah. together. It's like, I, I understood him, him being confused and having to prepare himself for the fight. That's the only thing I'm going to give him. He's, he's an asshole throughout <laughs> most of this film, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah. I think like there is something to their relationship that is good like obviously she is now clean in part due to his mm. help so you know something good and shiny has to have been in their past to make that happen and they it becomes clear that uh marie was a big proponent not just for the background of the story but for getting the whole process of the filmmaking underway. And so yeah. obviously they have something. They have something that is uh, good. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth going through this. But mm. I don't know that it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Like there is, a, there is an interesting story yeah. here. Like it's not, I would say it's not a boring story. And it's, I wouldn't say it's entirely not worth your time. Right. Because there is a lot of good, there are a lot of good messages that are in this film. Mm -hmm. But that's the problem is there's, there's just too many messages. Right. It just seems like Sam Levinson had to just keep throwing everything at the, at the script whenever he thought about it. He's like, ooh, and I want to talk about, you know, how, how white people misperceive uh, racial overtones in films. And I want to talk about, 
you know, all these other things. And he just keeps throwing all of these themes into this. And it's like, dude, just pick five. Right. And go for right. it. Right. And I mean, he's just like, he just kept going and he just makes all these long winded rants for each character that just bring in a lot of his ideas. And it's just, you don't know if these, uh, if the actors themselves, I mean, the actors are brilliant. Oh yeah. The performances are amazing. Yeah. But there are times where I'm just like, did you have input in the script? And I really hope you did. Right. Because if you didn't, it's just incredibly pretentious from Sam Levinson. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I don't know, because it definitely seems like he's writing himself in Malcolm. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's very white. So, <laughs> uh, but anyhow, maybe that's the racial overtones that we're not supposed to be looking into. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe. You know, we're over-critiquing his film. He has been coming out against all... This is like there's been a lot of like moderately negative, yeah, criticisms for him for the film, and you know it all just comes down to the story really. That's that's really what the the bad part is is the dialogue that he he's presented, the the fights that continue throughout this whole film where it's just right. like eventually you have nobody you're rooting for. You're just like, can you both just break up and go to bed right now? Right. Yeah. Like Malcolm sleep on the couch, Zendaya or Marie sleep on the. Uh, sleep in the bedroom and then the next morning you both just pack and find new places right and therapists right. i mean neither <laughs> yeah. of them actually live there too which is kind of funny like it's this yeah. huge fucking yeah. house that i guess the studio put them up in and they live i i think i don't remember what city they said they live in but they live in some uh an apartment and he even mentions that there was like one bit of evidence that he was bringing up in there in his argument. And he's like, it's in the closet at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's convenient. <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. He always has excuses for everything. Yeah, he really does. Which kind of honestly reminds me of, of myself a little bit. Uh, but I, oh my same, God, same. I have never and would never i at least you know cross my fingers knock on wood would ever talk to my wife this way oh my god right it is crazy the things that they say to each other yeah this is most certainly an unhealthy relationship yeah because you know there there is a beauty in their relationship like you said he he's helped her come clean she has helped him stay productive and like they both kind of ground each other and they're you know they're very anxious people and it's very hard for people with anxiety to to open up to other people right. sometimes and when you find that person that you are able to open up to you want to hold on to them and that's kind of their relationship as in, in a nutshell is they've both you know opened themselves up to each other and now they don't want to let go but they still want to make each other hurt yeah and so it's it's yeah. a lot of that throughout this film where they just keep throwing each other's worst qualities at at the other one mm. just to make them like more in pain yeah and i don't know it's like i i get you know why they're together but i want them to both get out of it i want them right. to both see therapists right. talk to somebody and you know they can still remain friends they can still help each other in the way they've been helping each other but what i got from this whole film is they need 
to not be the romantically together anymore. Yeah, there's some there's definitely while I said there's something bright and shiny in this, there's definitely a lot of toxic yeah. in their relationship. You mentioned that they go on uh, a bunch of rants. And I think that's kind of just uh an element of a cabinet drama like this. Mm-hmm. Like you don't there's it is literally only them. Yeah. In, in this film. And one said which, it uh, is important to say which that's incredibly hard to do. So yeah. I will say to the to this for the film, a 100% good praise on that I was enthralled throughout the entirety of this film. That is not easy to do with Mm-mm. just two people in in one house. Yeah. The the technical aspects are brilliant. Like the uh, the cinematography yeah. from Marcel Rev or Rave just phenomenal. Like I mean Going black and white is like an easy way to make me love your your cinematography. I'm very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. It just brought. It just makes it more beautiful. And but but that that aside, there's like so many beautiful shots, like outdoors. Even there's a there's a scene. Yeah. There's there's a few few scenes even where they're both kind of like walking outside, like uh, just just going mad in their own personal self bubble. You know, just like letting their angers out while while alone walking through the night, and right. there's just there's this one shot in particular of just a tree that's backlit, and you just watch them their silhouettes walk in front of the tree, and it's just like it's it's a very beautiful shot, and I really love it. Right, and, and the whole film is beautiful. oh the one yes the one shot that I think my favorite shot of the whole movie is he's out looking for zendaya and it's a shot from their bedroom Mm. and they got these three windows Mm. the bed is centered under the windows and then he's walking down the hill on the other side of the windows in front of i think that may be the same tree you're talking about i'm not sure i'm sure there's more than one tree yeah but anyways so it looks like three different shots because malcolm is slowly walking down the hill and you know he gets cut off by the the frames of these windows and uh, that's my favorite shot yeah. in the movie. it's it's super cool it really is like the whole the like marcel rev i don't know uh what else he has photographed but great job here like i'm really excited to see more yeah. or, or look into his filmography more i don't know i feel like I, I feel like i've complained enough about the story which is like my only negative a- aspect like again it's not a healthy relationship it's 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 healthy to argue with your, your significant other. Yes. It's not yeah. healthy to constantly fight and drag them down like they do. Right. So this is just one night of their relationship. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think Marie does mention that he does do stuff like this, but this could just be a particularly rough night. Yeah. We, we don't know because our lens is very narrow. It's true. Uh, but it does seem like there is some problems that are definitely all coming to light at once in this film. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, he definitely he definitely <laughs> takes her for granted. I'm, I'm oh, 100% yeah. on Marie's side. Like, I'm sorry, if, I I'm sorry to the people too. out there who watched this and were on Malcolm's side. I found him to be a complete asshole. Not John David Washington. I think we'll talk the actors next. But I found Malcolm himself to be an asshole and completely in the wrong throughout most of this film whenever he complained. Right. Let's let's move on from the story, which, again, is the only thing that I really didn't click with. And let's talk 
everything else that worked really well, specifically the acting, because Zendaya and John David Washington both deserve Oscars, or at least nominations for this film, I think. Yeah. Because they killed it. It's really brilliant. Like, I would honestly, I haven't seen, they haven't released their uh, shortlist yet for the Best Actress category, but I would say Zendaya would could could easily win it right now. Oh yeah. I don't know who she's yeah, up against really, but I I don't know. I know Zendaya. Yes, she was awesome. Um, one of the best performances I've seen in a long, long time. But also, just man, like you know, she's fairly new to the scene, really, for for our eyes. I feel like so. I'm just very excited to see where she goes next. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, I mean, she's she's young. She's got her whole life to surprise us with shit. And so I'm excited. So I have not seen Zephoria yet, which is Euphoria? a TV show. Yeah, Euphoria. What did I say? Zephoria. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, anyways, I haven't seen that. I do. I I think I am going to go check it out yeah. now. That is the that is the show that she's doing with Sam Levinson. That's oh, that's what okay. they're working on. Uh, we haven't even actually talked about the most unique thing about Malcolm and Marie, which is it's the first film produced during COVID. So uh, the whole thing from conception to you know post production was completed last year. You know they were they were working on Euphoria. The project got shut down, and so Sam Levinson started writing Malcolm and Marie and started, uh, like, he had already had Zendaya in mind for the role. And I believe he wrote Malcolm for John David Washington, but he didn't know if he was going to get John David Washington. Sure. But, but yeah, it, it all it all developed, and they, they shot it and, and scored it and everything during COVID and released it, you know, this year in February on Netflix, which that in and of itself is impressive like as you said it's a it's a a chamber drama you know it's got one one location two actors i wonder if we can expect more of them because of of this yeah i mean maybe this for this coming year and a half i mean it is an it's an easy project to i mean it it is hard to accomplish but it's an easy project from a budget standpoint to accomplish yeah uh because again you only you don't have to pay many actors you don't have to worry about too many sets less crew even yeah that was you know that's another thing is like again with covid restrictions you have to be really careful how you shoot a thing so right i'm assuming that it was probably just you know sam levinson the cinematographer and a couple audio guys there (laughs) yeah that's probably all they needed yeah and it was on Um, on the actors to remember continuity and make sure they set props down precisely and I, i honestly wasn't paying attention too much to continuity for for props so I can't speak. Oh yeah, I wasn't either. I didn't notice anything. There was definitely nothing glaring. Yeah, the, I mean the dialogue draws you well oh, yeah. into the story that you just you just riveted through it, even if you don't appreciate what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely grating their their um, arguments. There's also some really good scenes. I in particular, you you I think I don't know if you said it while we were recording, but off off camera you at least said that you thought the rant about the uh the review was rather pre- pretentious yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, though i thought it was 
hilarious. I, I, I mean, loved it. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you because it is pretentious. Yeah, yeah. The thing about that rant is he got a negative review from an LA Times critic like years ago for some other project he did, and then this entire rant is about an LA uh, LA Times reporter who uh, misreads Malcolm's film, you know, misinterprets the themes and everything. Yeah. And so he's like, he's super pissed that, that, you know, this white woman came in and and made his made his film far more political yeah. than he ever intended it to be. You know, he's like super pissed about it. Why can't he says, why can't a black man make a film without it being political? <laughs> and, you know, there there is a, there is a message in it. It is, you know, he, there is yeah, truth in that. Uh, but that. That rant, oh man, I was, especially right before it happened. So right before it happened, there's this bit where the LA Times review dropped. Yeah. <laughs> but then, then they wanted him to pay for it to read it. And he couldn't find his wallet anywhere. And he starts yelling. And like, this is like midway through their argument. They're taking a break from the argument. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, yeah. And he starts yelling, where the hell is my wallet? And Zendaya is like giving him places to go and look. And my wife's sitting next to each other and she's like, is this us? <laughs> because that is what I do every day. I do not, I do not, I do not yell at people. I do not yell at people, but I will yell at things. I, inanimate objects are the bane of my existence. <laughs> Especially once you place them down. Oh yes, yes. Once that they're out of my sight, they're they're my worst enemy. And I think it's mostly because I'm really just mad at myself because I know I'm the only person that's really in control of this inanimate <laughs> object that I'm angry with. Uh, but anyhow, that was funny. The rest of their conversation is nothing like my relationship with my wife, thank God. They do have great chemistry. Like, that's the nice thing about it is their couple's chemistry, when they're not fighting, is fairly yeah. good. I mean, when they're fighting, too, it, it's great chemistry for a, a couple that needs to break up. But <laughs> but when they're, when they're calm, when they're just being couples and they're just, like, you know, they're rolling around on the couch and just chatting and laughing and having a good time. That chemistry was fabulous. I do think the editing of it was weird when they were rolling around on the floor and like cuddling and smooching all the time. Right. And they just had their yeah. conversational dialogue going over it when they're when they're making out and everything. And they're just like, I don't right. I don't know why you didn't just show them just like, you know, like laying down in each other's arms having a conversation. <laughs> like why do we have to like montage <laughs> a a cuddle scene? And... Well Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, that was, yeah, because it wasn't, they weren't speaking like that what was being shown, they weren't speaking. Yeah. Are we ready for a uh, closing statement or do you had more? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we talked this movie. I'm sure there's more to say, but we also have other things to do. Yeah. I was on board for the first 20 minutes of this film, like through the first fight that they right. have. I was on board. I was loving every minute of it, really excited. Uh, it was wonderfully acted. The cinematography had already hooked me. And, you know, I didn't mind. I thought the direction was great from Sam Levinson. I just thought the script itself was a little helter-skelter. But there's there's an adage from How I Met Your Mother that's something along the lines of, like, 
after 2 a.m., nothing good can happen. Yeah. And that's so true for this film. They should have come home. They should have maybe had one nightcap, gone to bed, and then woken up the next morning to read the reviews. And he should have definitely... Well, they had to have the mac and cheese. And, well, yeah, you're right. They had to have mac and cheese. That's correct. And he should have just fucking thanked her from the beginning. Like, come on, man. You think... Yes. When you're giving a speech, you thank the people in your life who are the nearest and dearest to you. So what an asshole. Yeah, especially when this story is based off of them. Yeah, and <laughs> and when I, you know, typically I'll, I'll watch the movie, I'll take notes since I'm not in the theater now and I'm just watching it on my couch. So I'll take notes while watching. And at the end of the film, I'll give it an initial rating. And I initially gave this two stars because I really loved the performances and hated the script. But the more I think on the film, you know, there, I like the te- technical aspects. I love the acting. You know, the only thing I didn't like was the script, and I don't think it should bring it down to two stars just for that. So I'm going to give it three stars because there is something here. There are some great qualities. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I just, I don't know. By the end of the film, it felt like they were implying that these two should remain together and that abusive relationships <laughs> should remain. And I'm just like... No, if you're in yeah. and if you're in a physically physical, emotional or mental kind of abusive relationship, like obviously these two love each other and you know right. they don't I I feel like deep down they don't intend to keep hurting each other. They just do on the surface level. And again, as you said, this is one night in their life. You know, we're only seeing one night. So if they're able to if they really do love each other, go to couples therapy. Figure it out. Yeah, they need to do that, and yeah. and their 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 relationships left up in the air at the end of this. You know, it's like we don't know where it's going. We're just given the blocks of one night, and it's up to us to figure out. And I personally like to imagine they to go to couples therapy and are happily ever after. But from what I saw in this film, I don't think either of them have the capacity to to do that. <laughs> yeah, um, to bounce off of that, yeah, I I agree. Like. If you're in an abusive relationship, uh, it's, you know, it's hard because I think when you're in the relationship, I've never been in an abusive relationship, so it's kind of hard for me to say, but I feel like when you're in the relationship, it's hard to see that the best option is to get out, but people do have the capacity to change. Mm-hmm. I don't think it happens that often, but they do have the capacity to do so. And if you're able to address your problems in your relationship and they get better, then all the more power to you. But sometimes the best option is to get out. So uh, that's just PSA of the episode. Uh, I'm going to give this this movie a full face, though, because me and my wife really did enjoy watching it together. And at the end, we, though, we did turn to each other and we're like, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> and I will never talk to you that way. <laughs> God, I hope not. Yeah. Yeah, for real. But yeah, that's what I got to say about Malcolm and Marie. I recommend it, but you know, if 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 people being shitty to you or being shitty to other people on screen is going to trigger you, then you don't have to watch it. I'll say yeah, that. I'll agree with that. Available on Netflix for the available future. Pew pew.
sponsored. It's not available for the available future is Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max. It's only available until like March, March 14th or whatever. Right. But it is, it is in theaters also. And, you know, if you're vaccinated, I'll say up front, go ahead and go to the theaters and see this, you know, support, support your local theater and, uh. They do need your money, I guess. But that's only if you've been vaccinated. If you haven't been vaccinated, stay at home. Yes. Get HBO Max. Watch this for, well, for free for the subscription price of HBO Max. Let's talk Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk Judas and the Black Messiah. So, my God, the title alone, dude. Right. It's fucking good. Like, uh, so they, they really play off of that throughout the uh, film. So we focus on Fred Hampton. And Bill O'Neill, uh, there's how their story intertwines and how it is separately as well. Earlier, you told me that uh, Deborah Johnson, uh, I don't know, did they actually ever manage to get married? I'm not sure. I feel like no, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to confirm that. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna affirm or deny that. The movie itself doesn't show a wedding scene or anything, so it's not too at least from the film's perspective, it's not too long since after he gets released from prison or jail that he, uh, that he gets killed. Yeah. Uh, spoilers, but this is a historical, this is a biographical film. So these things actually happen to these people. And from what we were able to see, uh, to tell, this is a rather mm-hmm. accurate depiction of, of what, what happened. It's dramatized, obviously. But. Yeah, dramatized. But I, I think what you were going to say was that um, Deborah Johnson, his his partner, right, was an, uh, a consulted producer on this film. From what I've read, at least, she had she had some say in how events went down and how Fred would have acted to certain things, which is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome, and it's directed by uh, Shaka King and co-written with Will Burson, and they did, uh, in my opinion, they did great research, great job. Oh yeah, building this story again. It is dramatized, but I couldn't find much. I mean, again, we're not historians. I just did brief research before the film, and I didn't see many people bringing up historical inaccuracies. And they made this this tale that we don't really hear much about at all. I feel like, uh, especially a lot of the Black Panther movement has been buried throughout education. And and I think that's because the government had a, a big hand and mm-hmm. shutting them down yeah and that that's pretty much what this is about so the story here uh yeah. fred Ham- hampton is one of the chairmen uh of the black panthers uh specifically in illinois and uh he is a masterful orator and uh he's he's doing a lot for the movement and he's got a, a lot of uh followers who it, that they individually have probably more loyalty to Fred than they do the, to the movement. Yeah. Um, but also doing a lot for the community. Right. That's one thing yes. that I really liked about this movie too, is that it showed that right. the, the conceptions of what the black Panther party is when, in, when they also helped children, right. You know, they helped the community feed the, the homeless and the, the, right. The poor. And like, you know, they did a lot for the community, and that, I love yeah. that the movie went into this. I would even argue that because our perception is probably so skewed that their main focus really is the community. Mm-hmm. They also work 
communists, and if I'm wrong about that, you can cut that out, but I'm pretty sure that they believed in socialism and they, yeah. and that's what a lot of their programs were all about, was making sure that every person had what they needed, especially in the black community, because yeah. as we all know, in the United States, uh, the black community has been oppressed and suppressed for the last 400 years. So anyhow, Fred is getting eyes from J. Edgar Hoover, who is portrayed by Martin Sheen, and he is getting a lot of attention from the FBI and they, through Agent Mitchell, Roy Mitchell, played by Jesse Plemons, they get an informant, Bill O'Neill, who is the other main character, the Judas of this story, to be an informant, uh, I already said informant, uh, on what's going on with particularly Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers at large. Fred Hampton and Bill O'Neill are played by Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, Thank re- you. Reuniting after Get Out. <laughs> once yeah, more. yeah, and they they're they're great in this too. Yeah, I think this might be the third movie that we talked about Lakeith Stanfield in. He was in Selma and in Get Out. Very talented. I I hope he gets uh, some more lead roles here in the future that we get mm-hmm. to talk about more uh, because he was fantastic in this. Yeah. Uh, so I I kind of want to just go in and jump in and I think talk about Bill O'Neill a little bit. Yeah, sure. So uh, I think he's really interesting because as he's going through, like obviously he goes into the Black Panther Party with the pure intention to be an informant for Agent Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, But before that, like he, he had, before this, he had no connection to the FBI. He was a car thief. And he used an FBI badge (laughs) to con his way into the vehicles. Very, a very cheap one. (laughs) Yes, a very cheap one. When you, that's pretty funny. I do have a scene where he's comparing. uh, I think it's Roy Mitchell's badge to his fake badge. Yeah, and then there's a scene at the end too where his his fake badge comes back to haunt him when he you know when he gets that as right. a present oh man that's a haunting yeah. moment i really oh, love man. that uh that that's the it, it's really a cameo with little rel little rel yeah. howery <laughs> uh but the character's name is wayne and he's only in it for like i don't know 30 seconds right but, yeah it's, it's a, good that scene was honestly really weird but i i this yeah. sounds like something the fbi would do <laughs> Right, like it's it's weird, but at the same time, it definitely felt like a ploy from Jagger. Like, oh yeah, and, yeah. And I will mention, uh, Martin Sheen's Jagger is not my favorite uh, Jagger performance. I think there right. have been better better portrayals of the man, but not to say he did a bad job. Right. I think the only other portrayal that I've seen of Jagger was in uh, the Selma movie. Mm. where he he's i can't remember who that actor's name is but he's talking to lbj in that yeah i haven't seen the 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 leo dicaprio movie yeah and that one i I think i remember that one being pretty good in regards to leo's performance not in regards to yeah the movie itself um i don't really remember the movie itself but how how did you put it to me when when i told you that i wasn't like a huge fan of martin sheen's uh performance of his jagger yeah uh i i said something along the lines that i thought it was an interesting choice but he definitely portrayed 
maniacal, powerful racist very well. He, <laughs> he, I love he, it. he did the job that he needed to do. Uh, right. And like, that kind of brings me to what I wanted to say about uh, Roy Mitchell. Um, first off, I really thought Jesse Plemons did a really good job. Yeah, I'm happy to see him getting uh, bigger roles too because you know I love yeah. him in Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, he was in that. Okay, see, yeah. he was in he was in Black Mirror too. That's the last yeah. thing I remember. Yeah, he he keeps getting like he keeps getting bigger and bigger roles, and here he is on on Judas yeah. and the Black Messiah. And I really like the character Roy Mitchell. Like towards the ending, he's very clearly a villain. But at the beginning, at the least the way that Plemons betrayed him, I think he truly believed that because the Black Panthers were militant and uh, he thought that they were a hate organization. I think he truly yeah. believed that. He even compares them to the Klan. He says, it's the same thing. If they're preaching yeah. hate, it's the same thing. And that's how he kind of gets Bill O'Neill wrapped up in it, too. Exactly. Yeah, He does such a good job that he, like, uh, I mean... I agree with you. I think he truly believed that. And I think he did. He, he does such a good job at casting that belief onto Bill O'Neill. Yeah. And yeah. and you know the 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 crux of the story is watching Bill get close to Fred Hampton and learning who Fred Hampton really is, you know, seeing the man right. behind the voice and it, it becomes very much like Judas and Jesus where it's just like right how do you feel how do you deal about this situation where your 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 arms are twisted behind your back and you have to make a decision you don't want to make right do you make it his his silver coins was a an envelope full of money in a car keys to a gas station that he now owns now owns oh that's right i forgot yeah. about that and if he and Jeez. if he takes the gas station and he just further becomes an informant for the fbi well i'll give him this much he got a lot more money than judas yeah that's true <laughs> i don't know if you know for inflation from judas's <laughs> silver for now that's days. true that's true i don't know how much that bag of silver would have would have bought him but <clears throat> anyhow later on roy mitchell is in j Edgar hoover's office and this is the point in the movie where I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I, like aud audibly, <laughs> I said that. Right. And, and from that point on, it's very clear to me anyways that Mitchell's motivation changes. Hmm. And he's like, okay, yeah, we got to take down this organization so that my way of life, my pure white way of life isn't yeah. tainted. Oh, it's, it's, it's gross because... You know, up until that point, I was kind of rooting for Mitchell not to take down the Black Panthers, but because he believed that he was doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point, I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think he's under the illusion that he's doing the right thing. He knows he's doing it because the for government's racist. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he is, he's realized that he does not want things to change yeah his his motivation goes from being business to personal and it, it that's when he definitely yeah. steps into the the shoes of a villain yeah he does a great job as being the villain too like i i don't know uh it, you know history is very foggy around jay eggers involvements in certain things sure because he's the one who controlled the records <laughs> yeah exactly exactly 
so so it's 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 not known how involved he was with the fall of Fred Hampton and the the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. But this movie definitely amps up his involvement. Yeah, that brings into question too if like how much of of Mitchell's own initiative went into bringing Bill O'Neill into the fold. Mm-hmm. Like there's some yeah. shady dealings in this in this. Yeah, movie, you don't know you sure. don't know how much is on book and how much is off and it's it's so yeah. crazy. I mean that that just shows the the power of the FBI really. Yeah. Especially in this period. I, I hope that I, I get I suppose they probably still have the same amount of power. Oh they do. But I hope they don't do as much to surplant things going on in the US social movements yeah. as they did in the past. Yeah, I'm sure they attack just as much as you know, as they used to. They attack the, the personas behind those movements. Right. But like I mean, one glaring similarity that I think we should throw a trigger warning out for modern day events. It's the assassination on Fred Hampton himself and right. the murders of Breonna Taylor. Yeah. Because it's very similar because they just burst into a house and start shooting. And, you know, the cops, I, I think one of them's been fired from Breonna Taylor's murder. Because that's enough. Jeez. Yeah. And, and like, you know, that's that's really where it comes down to is it's just like, with Fred Hamptons, I don't know if any of them got any kind of punishment because Probably none of them not. were none of them were on duty. It seemed they were all in street clothes, and you know, again, uh, Deborah Johnson was that Deborah Johnson? Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was a survivor of spoilers for the movie. She was a survivor for uh, from the assassination attempt, not even attempt. Sorry, she was a survivor of the assassination, and yeah. you know, she didn't want that scene Hollywoodized. She didn't want it to be big budget, you know, the the cops storm the compound and or not even the compound, right. the cops storm the apartment even and start shooting. She uh, didn't want it to be big. That a lot of people were staying at too. Yeah. And be and, but she didn't want it to be big because that's not how it was. Just right. one moment you were sleeping, the next you woke up and they were there and they were shooting. Like you had no no time to know what was going on. And that's how this film portrays it. Is it's very quiet. You know, they just, they come in, they, I think they knock once, and then they start shooting. Yeah, I, one person said, I'm coming. Yeah. And they shot because they thought he was in front of the door. Mm-hmm. That's how she was. twisted fucked up the whole system really is. Yeah, uh, and it's <clears throat> it's a good, it's a great parallel to events we saw last year, where it's like right. you realize they still have this power that they're getting away with things like this and you know it just it just it furthers the message that that, you know things need to change and yeah it it rings so powerful it's such a good movie oh yeah this really is uh i do want to say with bill o'neill this is major spoilers for the movie but once again it's based off of real life and there was a documentary uh in 89 about this particular event i believe it's 89 they they do a cool thing where they uh frame the movie with shots from this documentary i believe Mm -hmm. the first shot is lakeith stanfield and the last shot is actually bill o'neill yeah you're correct and they do the same with Um, fred hampton where they open up with a speech from uh daniel kaluuya portraying fred hampton and they close with actual speech from fred hampton and right. I mean, again, we'll have to we'll have to talk Daniel Kaluuya for like ten minutes alone soon. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he did amazing. Uh, So Bill, though, uh, was approached, like I said, major spoilers. He's approached by, this is the cameo where the little Rel comes in. He was given and told to slip something into uh, Fred's drink. And he's like, I'm not going to poison him. He's like, it's just going to make him tired, man. That's all. Don't you want him to go easy? Yeah. And from that point on, Bill knows they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the real turning point. Because up to that point, you could still say that Bill was at, in a position where, okay, yes, I am ratting out this organization and I'm not sure that they're really a force of evil, but I am working for my government. But at this point, it's very, it's very clear to him. They really just don't like this guy and they're just going to take him out. Yeah. And that's, and he, he knows it's wrong and he doesn't want to do it, but he doesn't really see a way out. Yeah. Because, They'll take, they'll take him, they'll either take him to jail for the crimes that he was caught for and then caught up and put into this situation, or the pan- they'll find a way to leak it to the Panthers that he's a rat. Yeah. And then just let the, the Panthers deal with him how they saw fit. Yeah. And, you know, having spent time with them, he knew how they would deal with him, which yeah. basically meant he would not survive. So right. he, rock in a hard place and it you know it, it brings up that that important story from the bible you know it's just you know if you're judas you know where do you what decision do you make and you definitely see the effects of that decision through lakeith's performance like oh yes oh it, it's a very emotional scene when he when he makes the decision and god it's so good like and so yeah. so so wrecking when they go to the <clears throat> shot of the real bill o'neill in the documentary and they're like what would you tell your son about what you did and he says i think i'll let your documentary say what it is that i i did what i did yeah and um and then i believe i don't know if it was the first end credit slide but it was one of the first the night that that aired, uh, Bill O'Neill committed suicide. Yeah. So, I mean, just from start to finish, the allegory and, is so real. But I think it's time to talk Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, when Get Out came when Get Out came out, I thought he was a brilliant actor. I really liked his right. performance in Get Out. He got an Oscar nomination, I believe, and I was like, that makes sense. He did a good job. Uh, yep. I personally thought other people deserve to win over him that year but i really liked his performance and you know i was like this guy's gonna be a good actor yeah uh then i watched this i mean i've seen him in many other films already sure he's been in sure. he's been in so much he's already part of the marvel cinematic universe along with everybody else in the a-list cast <laughs> he submitted himself as a-lister with this movie in my opinion because yeah it made me realize that his acting in get out was with his eyes. That character in Get Out is portrayed heavily through his eyes, and this, yeah. it's with his voice. 
he portrayed, oh, you know, because yeah. because Fred Hampton is a voice. That's what he was. He was a great yeah. orator, and he did so much work and research into nailing this voice that he just he nailed the character just too. Like him, it's fucking crazy. Not just in his speeches, even he sounded just like him outside of his speeches, like just in normal everyday. Like you know, if you're from what from what. Uh, people would say he sounded like just like in his everyday you know because you have different intonations when you're speaking and when you're just talking with your friends and he got that voice right too he got the just the calm everyday voice down too and it's just like it's fucking brilliant work yeah and yeah definitely uh, like i'm arguing that right now i feel like he he deserves the oscar he's a shoe-in out of what what we've seen if they're going to consider this a 2020 film like they're kind of talking they they extended they extended the deadline through february so this could be nominated for okay. 2020's oscars well from what i've seen i think he's got it personally Same. um i think that uh gary oldman might be nominated yeah uh, but he, he it should go to him i think oh 100 yeah I can't I can't uh, think of another performance that just outshone this one because no. he blew me away. Uh, there were so many times where it's just like I'm just watching this historical figure. You know, I'm not I'm not watching Daniel Kaluuya, I'm watching yeah, Fred Hampton. Like yeah. he, he sank yeah. into this role and it's amazing. I have before we keep on going, I do have just one I don't even know if it's negative, it's more of a neutral critique. What's up with all these English actors getting these historical American roles? Because they can do an American better than Americans can be. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 that just really is a, the last 10 years, a big trend, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they do a great job at impersonating us. I guess so. But you would think, like, especially these here, these these characters who are historical heroes, that mm-hmm. you would want, like, not to say that uh, Kaluuya couldn't have Fred Hampton as a hero. I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, he's he's a heroic guy. But you'd think you'd want American actors portraying these American heroes. But then again, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's a birther attitude. Yeah. <laughs> And we don't want that either. That's true. Yeah, I where I sit on it, and this comes with caveats. My argument is, you want the best person for the job. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of where they come from, regardless of their nationality, their their race, their sex, their gender, regardless of it all, you want the best person for the job. And you know that's with, with Doctor Who. If they want to make an American Doctor, I'm all for it if it's the right person, and. When it comes to these these roles, you know, they get the casting director, he gets probably like a thousand tapes of all these people, and he chooses the best ones, and, you know, they the casting director might not even know if Daniel Kaluuya is American, British, but he just sees the performance he sees, and he's like, all right, I'm interested in seeing that guy and bringing him back for another audition. And, you know, the caveat is when you go for the best person for the job, that's when you exclude diversity quite often that's is because true. that's when they're just like, you know, you get a white male casting director who chooses a white male for a role. And so that's, that's the caveat is you want the best person for the job. You also just want to make sure that you're, you're reaching 
audience. Yeah, that that it's available to everyone. There but, you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's I, I my agree. that's my little cat. I, I I yeah. I will not. I will not argue that in the future. Then, not that I was arguing. It's just an observation. <laughs> it is really. no, yeah. It is a really weird observation because that was the same way with Selma, and yeah. uh, I think it was yeah, yeah. Because I think Oyelowo is British. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, it, it is a really weird observation. But I don't, I don't know. Haven't seen the final product. I don't know if anybody could have pulled off Fred Hampton better than Daniel Kaluuya. Like, right. Oh, and uh, the other ones that we talked about was. Eddie Redmayne and Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, the Trial of the Seven. I don't know. It, it, you know, very similar time periods, very similar focus on the issues. But I think this one delivered the messages it was going for far better than the oh, Trial yeah. of the Chicago Seven. So if oh, those yeah. two are, I'm just gonna say it up front. If those two are ever fighting each other in the Oscars, I don't think the Trial of the Chicago Seven has a chance. So. No, no. I I enjoyed that movie. I think for this, just getting some historical context, it was worth watching. Agreed. But it is not best best film category for sure. No. There there might be some performances that are worth looking at for the Oscars, but yeah, I think that uh, this movie, yeah, like you said, blew that out of the water. But uh, yeah, Daniel, he was great. I, I don't know what else beautiful. to say about it really. Yeah, yeah, I was, was joking about ten minutes. Super. I didn't. I mean, we went ten minutes on something, but, but like, <laughs> really, I just wanted. To, I just wanted to gush on Danik Luke. But I think I'm ready for closing statements. If you are, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I think we did talk about this movie. Yeah, I guess. I guess we'll go first. You did go for first last time. So, uh, yeah, 100 percent like this movie. I think that's obvious by how we were gushing about it. Full face movie. I'd even give it a, a face and a half. I feel like I learned a lot watching this movie. Uh, even if everything that was represented on the FBI side didn't happen, I think it's important to recognize that our government had a big hand in suppressing movements like this. And I think that it did a very good job of portraying that. The main characters were all great. Even the side characters were pretty amazing. Yeah, that's that's what I got to say about it. That should get awards. Yeah, yeah I'd I jump off that. Um I mean, I don't, I don't understand my mind, but I don't give this a four star. I give it three and a half. I don't know what loses the half star. To be completely honest, there's just, I guess, there's not much returnability. I definitely learned a lot, and I definitely super enjoyed it, and really love the performances. Yeah. Uh, and I do highly recommend going out and watching this. Uh, catch it on HBO Max if you got that before it's taken off sometime mid, you know, in the Ides of March. <laughs> yeah it's 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 phenomenal film and and shaka oh, yeah. king I, I think shaka king deserves an award also for their directing oh yeah. yeah there's definitely some very interesting um elements to this film how scenes are set up that i can't say that i've really seen in other other movies i don't know what exactly it is about it but I, it might be the compression of time like there's other movies that you know do uh, long scope of time and yeah. in it in a, you know in a short movie span but mm-hmm. this movie is like almost exactly two hours right something along those lines yeah they they it, it did not feel like there was any time where it was waffling but like yeah. everything was supposed to be in this movie yeah i do i do remember one thing that is uh historically inaccurate 
and it's just the portrayal of the ages of the characters. Lakeith Stanton, Stanfield, Bill O'Neill. Uh, he's only 18, I believe, during the course what? during these events. Yeah, and Fred Holy Hampton, shit. I believe, I, I believe Fred Hampton was only 21 when he died. Like he wow. only died, he died at really young. And you know, both the, both those actors are in their 30s. Both very young. Uh, very imp- Bill's very impressionable, which is very very well shown, as you said, by the government's yeah. manipulation of him. Specifically, yeah. Roy Mitchell's, uh, Mitchell's manipulation. Yeah, he even says that he looks up to Roy, or looked up to Roy as a role model. Yeah. At one point, when they were doing the the documentary, I think it might have been in the middle of the film, actually. You know, felt like an FBI agent. He felt like he had power. You know, he was yeah. given yeah. he was given that ability to like walk into a restaurant and sit at the table with high powerful people. Yeah. Well, good movie. Uh, go watch mm-hmm. it. Like, like the Green Traveler said, if you're vaccinated, hit the theaters. Uh, yeah. If not, uh, I think this one alone is worth getting HBO Max for, personally. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, and there's a lot of great stuff on there. <laughs> Far more worth it than Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> yeah, which, which is, is why we, we got it. <laughs> which is the reason we all got it. Uh, I'm sorry. I love Gal Gadot. But yeah. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this, was, this is worth the monthly... The monthly subscription fee there's a lot worth it on hbo max like i mean definitely oh, Mal- malcolm x was on wasn't malcolm x on hbo max is that where i, I watched think it, it was i yeah. think that was where we watched it yeah so check i watched that it one somewhere well. before the, uh a few months before we watched that one uh yeah. and that one that one's i feel like i can watch over and over again i don't know what it is about that yeah. movie yeah, I agree. Honestly, <laughs> I'm editing that one right now, and I just got to the point where we declared our threesome and how I, you know, how we were like, well, I guess I'll let you declare Malcolm X, and I'll choose Twelve Years a Slave, and I was sitting there thinking like, I should have just chose Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they know. This comes out the week after, so now they know that you rescind that. Yep. Now it's it's it's. I do again going back to that film. I do say that you should watch Twelve Years a Slave, but. Yeah, Malcolm oh, X. Yeah. The more I, the more I think on that film. Again, that was my first time watching it, and the more I stew mm-hmm. on it, the more I'm just like, yeah, I would rewatch it and I would love it, and yeah, I would I would return you, to it over and over. You said that you weren't so sure that this one had much returnability, but I definitely would watch it again. Um, yeah. I think there's some elements that like are are dropped throughout that will help. Uh, on a second watch, you'll be able to pick up and be like. Oh yes, that's the motivation for why that character made that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go go watch this movie. I guess it's yeah. the end of it. Um, yeah, I think and, it's, I think it's very obvious that uh, we, I think we both choose Judas and the Black Messiah as the the victor yeah. of our stare yeah, go, which is really a stare stay go. Our, our, <laughs> our titles our titles are just falling apart. I can't keep track. Of <laughs> yeah, we have a lot, uh, but I I think at least for me. That's a fun part of it. I don't know how it <laughs> feels about it. I like it. And I you know, enjoy organizing. Uh, like you said, Judas and the Black Messiah, the Fred Hampton and Bill O'Neill story definitely wins over Malcolm and Marie. But I did enjoy watching Malcolm and Marie. I'm not going to discount that. I enjoyed balling up into my couch and like turning away from the movie and being like, just break up. Just stop it. Stop <laughs> screaming at each other. I'm not, I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> Uh, well is that it is that our show yeah I've been the green traveler from Gorsh 
And I am the faceless Leon. I am starting a new diet. No more potatoes. It's going to be really hard. Thank you. Um, We'll see how it goes next week. (laughs) Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks 19. If you want to learn more information about us, check us out on Facebook. You can also check out the Facebook and Instagram accounts of FictionWorks 19. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, or subscribe wherever you catch the show. Thank you all very much for listening.